Welcome everybody to Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your host Ethan Foster here today with another episode. Uh, guys, our verse of the day comes from 1 Corinthians seven thirty one. For, for oh my gosh, I'm already ruining it. We're ten seconds into the podcast episode. I already can't read. Usually it goes on like 20, 30 minutes into there, and then I can't read. But it's already happening. Um, our verse of the day comes from 1 Corinthians seven thirty one. For this world in its present form is passing away. Again, that is 1 Corinthians 7.31. It's very important. You know, I I say this a lot. Um, As we go into election season, as as we watch all this chaos happening in our politics uh, here in America, we must remember that Christians are obligated to respect our leaders, obey them, and also... We ought not worry about what happens in this world because ultimately God is in control. So we are going back into us talking about the environment, into orcas and all that. You, you know, the the fun stuff. It, it's not talking about religion all the time. We're, we're talking about something a little bit different. So re- recently there has been this southern resident killer whale uh, that is pregnant. And the very special thing about this is is that it is an endangered species. The southern resident killer whales, there is about 78 of them left uh, today. Um, and so they're, in there, they're obviously an endangered species, so we ought to do whatever we can to try and salvage the species. And the reason why it's happening, according to this article, um, says recent declines in killer whale population are linked to threats such as toxic pollution and noise and disturbance from boat traffic. However, killer whales also fundamentally rely on healthy populations of salmon, particularly Chinook, which are declining in the Salish Sea, where these guys live. Uh, These factors are all interconnected in a way that suggests an even greater impact on the orca population that can be predicted by studying any one factor by itself. Changing age demographics and gender ratios within the small whale population can compound these factors and have pronounced influence uh, over social dynamics such as mating, group foraging, and social care of calves. I'm going to use this to draw a, bi- a bigger narrative, as I usually do whenever we read an article about a certain topic. And the greater narrative that I am going to point to is realize humanity's environmental impact on the world around us. It used to be a thousand, two thousand years ago, humans can do whatever they wanted and it wouldn't wipe out a whole species. Usually there is isolated cases of that happening. And now today there is so many of us that it has direct environmental implications by our daily daily lifestyle. And I participate in it too. Us buying an iPhone coming likely from China. China is the number one producer of carbon emissions in the world, followed by the United States, I believe. So that's directly contributing to it. Buying meat from a meat factory is contributing to it. Driving a car is contributing to it. And of course, I'm not saying stop doing all these things. I'm saying realize the impact and try and limit it to the best of your ability. Because you can see this, whale watching is a big, uh, is a decent sized industry. Haven't participated in in it yet, unfortunately. 
I would love to go do it. And what these boat noises do, it can directly impact the echolocation and the communication of the whales. This can also happen to dolphins. Remember, they communicate with clicks and stuff. Uh, if I have my information correct. So that, that's one thing that is affecting uh, humans. Well, affecting orbits. Sorry, I'm a bit distracted. Plane no There's a bunch of... We live right next to an airport, and those plane noises always distract me every single episode. Um, so, continuing on, what are we doing about it? The article says, many agencies are working to address threats to the southern resident killer whales by focusing on projects that affect sued sources, uh, pollution, disturbance from boat traffic, and oil spills. And here's five things you can do to help. Orcas are sensitive to noise and disturbance from boats. Instead of approaching them in your own vessel, spend a day watching them from a responsibly managed whale watching vessel or watch from shore. Engage in citizen science by alerting researchers when you spot orcas so scientists can track their travel. Get involved in efforts to protect and restore salmon habitat in your community. Chinook salmon are especially important to killer whale populations in the Salish Sea. Choose to eat subsequently harvested salmon and other seafood to help protect wild fish populations. And number five, do your part to dispose of unused medicine and chemicals properly. Never dump them into household toilets and sinks or outside where they can get into ditches or storm, storm drains. See if your community has a household hazardous waste collection facility that will take your old or unused chemicals. I don't think here in Utah that's as much of a problem. If our if our waste goes all the way to the ocean, uh, that that's interesting. Um, so there there's a basic lesson to be had here that humanity, when our responsibility to take care of the environment is not, if we're not actually being responsible with our God given duty, then there is grave impacts that can happen. What is happening to these creatures, and this is the main problem, is that the, they are being starved because of the lack of Chinook salmon, and that is their main food source. They're being uh, starved out. And I was told by Zoe that the reason this um, one orca mother had a miscarriage before, and she became famous for carrying her dead calf for 17 days and more than a thousand miles in 2018, which shows you the whole emotional impact. But I was told that um, she died because of a lack of nutrients, a lack of food. This other article from Como News, I think I read that right, hopefully, uh, scientists said it's probable that there are multiple pregnancies among southern residents right now, including... I'm not even going to try. Okay. Off topic. Why does every animal name have to be complicated? It can't just be Bob? Or is something simple? Anyway. <laughs> These are the things that keeps me up at night. Uh, but experts say they're only cautiously optimistic because up to 69% of the pregnant orcas end up with a miscarriage or birthing a calf that dies shortly after it's born. That, that's, uh, that's sad. 
So again, as we go out into our daily lives, realize your environmental impact. Here in Utah, we have inversions every winter. What happens is the mix of cold and warm air traps all the pollution that we throw out into the atmosphere, into a valley, into the valley that we live in because the mountains basically enclose it. The only thing that can drive it out is massive wind or snowstorm. Um, so that's our problem that we must deal with. That we have to live with. And the impacts on that is for us humans here in the Salt Lake Valley. We have to breathe all that stuff in. So our lung cancer rates are a lot higher than some other places. Again, we have to live with that. Down in Florida, where I used to live, out of the beaches, uh, people would just chuck out their trash. And you'd see trash out in the ocean or on the beach. And turtles or other animals can choke on that or just simply eat it. And obviously, it's not good for them. There is this ongoing problem of humans not being responsible with the not being responsible with the environment we have been blessed to be in. And we must adapt. We must change our ways. In order to make a prosperous and safe earth for generations to come, not only for humanity, but for the animals that live here as a whole. Scientists think that we're going through a sixth mass, mass extinction. And I hope it's, uh, they're not right, but they probably are. Because there has not been a responsibility. Humanity can take any species out. Many of you might know of the passenger pigeon. Uh, they, there used to be billions of them in the United States. They're all gone. All gone. By the early 1900s. Because we were not responsible. So an animal as majestic and as beautiful as a killer whale. This isn't the whole killer whale species, obviously. It's just one ecotype of orca. I'm sure there's others that are suffering around the world. But a species that is so beautiful and so intelligent, magnificent as the killer whale. Aren't we obligated to protect it to the best of our ability? So that my children, my grandchildren, your children, your grandchildren of future generations can enjoy... And see the beauty of God's creation. And see his creativity. And see his majesty in planning out these magnificent creatures and every other creature on this planet. Consider that. We'll be right back. This is Common Sense Christianity. Hey guys, Ethan Foster here. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, 
just a reminder to go check out our website, cscpodcast.org, and go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Continue to help us grow this ministry. Enjoy the rest of the episode. You, you know, I, I encourage diversity in thinking, diversity in beliefs, diversity in worship within the church. I am very, I'm very, very vocal about that. And as you know, it, I do not take uh, the biggest uh, pleasure in in calling out different church leaders because I think it's divisive. I think it is counterproductive in many ways. I talked about Pastor Kenneth Copeland uh, on Wednesday. I mocked him a bit because of his bizarre preaching on COVID-19. And I guess we shall continue this tirade against uh, Pastor Copeland uh, today. So Inside Edition did this interview with him. I'm not going to play the interview uh, in this episode. I'm sure you've probably seen it if you've ever heard of him. And the reporter asks, do you really believe that human beings are demons? And he, he says, no, I did not. And don't you ever say that I did, Copeland responded. However, there's video proof of Copeland's telling fellow televangelist Jesse Duplantis, who's also a disgrace, uh, you can't manage that today in this dope-filled world. Get in a long two with a bunch of demons. Now, in this particular instance, my friends, Kenneth Copeland was defending having a $17.5 million private plane. Because he travels around the country for his ministry and also uh, to go on vacations. He has a variety of different properties, as, as to my knowledge. This, my friends, as I say with a lot of things, because we discuss a variety of topics, this is disgraceful. Imagine for a second that... Kenneth Copeland's worth $300 million. Imagine he just was worth $17 million. How many people could half of that money feed? Could probably feed a few thousand. Maybe more. How many people could you help in this world? How many people could you preach the gospel to? And by the way, it's much more expensive to own a private plane and to operate it than it is to hop on a commercial plane, buy a ticket, and go to your chosen destination. But see, he pretends to be a Christian, but then lives a lavish, secular lifestyle. And again, I have nothing wrong with rich people. I have nothing wrong with having a nice life. If we were to say hypothetically that one day I get millions of listeners and I became a multimillionaire off of that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. However, if you are using the gospel and you are profiting off of that and you refuse to help those who don't have as much money as you, if you just preach on Sundays and Wednesdays, and then don't go out into your communities, try and make it better, and try and preach the gospel, then what are you? You're just a waste of breath. 
you're, the money that God has put you responsible with is not being used for his glory or for the uh, benefit of your neighbor that may not have as much. This is my main problem with televangelists. Many of them, not all of them. They sit here on their mountain of money and then preach to us how to live a humble and poor lifestyle like Christ Jesus did. Does that make sense to any of you? 1 Timothy 6, 10 through 11, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Luke 12, 15, Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Matthew 9, 24, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And why did God say this, brothers and sisters? He said this because money, loving money, loving wealth, loving power, creates a type of selfishness and self-preservation that ultimately corrupts the gospel that you are trying to preach. And that is what happened to Kenneth Copeland. I bet you when he first started, he was sincere. I can't say that for sure. I don't watch his stuff, and I never plan on it. on it, Because he doesn't preach the gospel from what I've heard. He preaches self-worth, self-gain. And that's what Joel Olstein does, too. But I'm sure he started off with good intentions, as many people have. But when you allow the things of this world to corrupt your heart and to corrupt your goals... It will ultimately corrupt you and corrupt your ministry. Again, I do not mind people being rich. I could care less. I live a very privileged lifestyle. Both of my parents are in the medical field. They make pretty good money. I live in a very nice place, in a nice place in Utah. I live a good life. But whenever I have the opportunity, I go down to my foods, my uh, church's food pantry, help the community there. I do this podcast to help my friends or some people I may not even know come to a relationship to Christ Jesus or to consider different alternatives to the opinions they have been indoctrinated with or taught in their particular church. So, that is the problem. When you are a person of wealth and refuse to help people that are not wealthy, that are not privileged, that do not live a lavish lifestyle because they have, they can't, then you are directly contradicting what God has commanded us to do. And that, my friends, is the problem with Kenneth Copeland. We're not even talking about his heresy with what he preaches. We're not talking about the fact that he doesn't preach the gospel. We're talking about, in essence, the fact of the matter is, he sits there on his mountain of money, as I've said time and time again, and not using it for the benefit and the glory of God, in the benefit and helping his fellow 
neighbor. That is the problem, my friends. We'll be right back. If you like this ministry, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and write a review down there to tell everybody what we do here on the show. Help us continue to grow as a ministry and keep me and everyone else that supports the ministry in your prayers. God bless you. We are back with our final segment uh, of Sunday's podcast episode. Uh, just your reminder, we remind you all the time because it is so, so important. If you like the ministry, if you like what we do here, like what we talk about, you like the authenticity of it, even if you disagree with my views, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share the podcast. Go look at our website, cscpodcast.org. I will start uploading on there more often once I finish the book, which hopefully I'll be finished in in a few days uh, with it. It's going to be a short book. Um, hopefully, it will help you guys it will influence you guys in your faith and in the lord and get you more of a detailed perspective of of what i believe and how i see christianity and how i combat atheism in my day-to-day life so the dolphin project i follow them on instagram i read a lot of their stuff and you know um as you guys know uh if you listen to our episode uh, a couple weeks ago, on um, a fantastic discussion about orchid captivity, I believe the episode was. You should go check that out because it's going to be much more interesting of an episode uh, to listen to. And in there, Zoe rants and rants about um, why she hates uh, blackfish, why she uh, n- uh, supports SeaWorld and all that. And it was a lot of good information. And I've learned a lot ever since then. And she has said that the Dolphin Project has repeatedly lied about SeaWorld, which I believe on face value, just based on my past experiences with other um, animal rights groups. But we're going to read what they have to say here, and we are going to discuss this and see if we can find any common ground. So the first post I have, it says, don't be captivated by captivity. Chose two blue or whales. Lockdowns have given us a taste of what a, a confined life is like. Don't be captivated by the lockdown of highly intelligent, sentient uh, animals. To learn more about why belugas and other uh, animals don't belong in captivity, go to the link in our bio. Hashtag don't buy a ticket. Hashtag dolphin project. So it paints this picture to us, ladies and gentlemen, that... These animals are living the life as we do here in lockdown, which is an interesting point for a variety of reasons. And I I guess I could see where they're coming from there, because, of course, we cannot simulate the wild in captivity. I've made this point numerous times. The best argument against animal captivity is because we can never simulate the wild. However... They do live good lives, at least at SeaWorld. They have their struggles. They have their medical problems. Not all of them directly caused by captivity. Some probably. But they do live good lives. And I I see the point that they're drawing with the lockdowns. But if you were born in captivity, that is all you know. So you're not wondering about the outside world. 
most likely. So you're used to it. And it is irresponsible to all of a sudden change the world that they live in. Because unlike humans, a lot of animals aren't able to adapt at our pace. At the way that we function. Um, so I, I see the point they're making there. And it's not a horrible point. But there is a lot of uh, factors to consider. Uh, like I always say. They have another post. Dolphin captivity FAQ. Is connecting with a dolphin in captivity in person necessary to inspire conservation? And they say no. Conservation can be inspired through the power of films, documentaries, photographs, artwork, or seeing whales and dolphins in our eco-tour in their national habitat and natural habitat uh, on their terms. Promoting activities with cap captive dolphins, such as feeding and touching and watching them perform tricks, actually teaches people to disrespect wildlife. This type of close contact promotes the idea that dolphins want to be touched or fed. Sadly, this has led to people seeking to do so with wild dolphins, which is harmful and upsets the natural behavior diet and rest that wild dolphins need. Okay. So, this is something I disagree with. For the main factor that what got me into animals in the first place is seeing them in person. SeaWorld provided that opportunity. Whether right or wrong, they provided the opportunity, and they have provided the opportunity for thousands and thousands of people to be inspired by these creatures. It's what happened to Zoe. It's what happens to a bunch of people I know. Because when you see those animals in person, you realize the true majesty of it all. When you see those animals in person, you realize that these animals are important, that they are beautiful, that they are intelligent, and that they should be well taken care of. Documentaries, films, photographs, artwork, they do not do that. To the same extent. However, I do agree that it is wrong to hold them in, act, uh, in captivity. I do not think it is wrong for them to perform. Because in captivity, since you don't have the, the ocean, since you don't have to hunt, since you don't have to survive really, you need some sort of stimulation. And that's the thing that people leave out. They say that they're forced to do tricks. You can't force a wild animal to do anything. But um, I think they're completely wrong on that. Because again, when you look at something with, uh, when you see something in person and you realize the, um, the true beauty of it all. That is what will connect you with it. And say, hey, I want to protect this. When I went to SeaWorld a couple months ago. And saw right in front of me a 22 foot orca. That is when I began to realize that we must protect these creatures. That's when I started talking to you guys about this particular subject because I realize that God put them here for a reason. I realize that they have such a fine tuning, such a beauty to them that helps the ecosystem around us. Even here in Utah, remember when you remove one part of the food chain, 
the whole food chain collapses. Uh, but I'm getting uh, outside of the topic here. Point is, they're wrong on that. Although, seeing them in the wild is a completely different experience. And that's the experience I uh, got to see when I lived in Florida, thank the Lord. Because uh, I live, I used to go out and fish at St. Mark's Bay. And dolphins would go out there all the time. Bottlenose dolphins. They'd eat all the fish. Besides the point, it was still cool seeing them. And they also say five steps to help advocate for Lolita's retirement. And they're promoting a protest that will be happening on August 8th. Um, and they, they post steps for that, to spread awareness for it. And again, this is irresponsible. Because what the, these people do, they oversimplify uh, the issue itself. They say simply, Lolita should be retired, she, she should be put at a seaside sanctuary, and she'll live happily. But unfortunately, that is way oversimplified. First, where is all this money going to come from? Miami Seaquarium ain't going to pay for it. I can promise you that. Because they have no profit in return. From what I've heard, they are a poorer aquarium. They don't have the same resources that, say, SeaWorld does. My second point will be how would she react to the particular situation? If Lolita um, has been isolated... And this is really a sad thing. For 50 years, then how would she react going into a seaside sanctuary or or um, if they were to put other species, of, well, other orcas in there, how would she react? Because she's basically held in solitary confinement. But the problem is people oversimplify these issues. They oversimplify the problems and oversimplify the solutions. When it is a very complicated issue, I don't know what to do. I think the best idea is to expand the tank and give her the happiest life pos possible. Now, maybe we can take her to a seaside sanctuary. I have no problem with that. I, uh, I just need to know that it will work. The problem is... The Dolphin Project, Blackfish, uh, all the people that work behind that are never transparent. They never say, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's the problems we might encounter, but here is what we will do to help deal with those problems. They act like it is the, the greatest solution ever came up with, and it's very simple, but it's not. It simply is not, and it is irresponsible for us to think so. It is dangerous for us to think that it is um, simple because um, we have been irresponsible with these things before. The example I give a lot is Keiko. We experimented with his life and we failed. It's a five-year project, spent one year in the ocean. He wanted, he tried to interact with humans because that's what he was used to after he was released. And then you were banned from seeing him. 
he didn't know how to communicate with uh, other species of his kind. Well, I mean, other orcas. Because he had been out of, out of the wild for years. So we played an experiment with his life and we failed. He died. Because we didn't have the intellectual responsibility to be able to preserve it. The public was one that pressured people to release him. Remember, he played in Free Willy. So people look at Free Willy and they're like, well, why can't we free the actual whale? It's a beautiful idea. You can release him. He could go out into the wild. He can meet his family again after decades away. And he can finally live with them. And the reason why this is bad is because the public learns this from animal rights activists, animal rights organizations such as the Dolphin Project. And when you just listen to the bullcrap that you that they feed you, then you begin to believe it. When there's no other sources, uh, no other major sources to conflict with that. And that's the problem. We have been duped. We have been lied to. And we think that we are working in the good of those, of those animals. But we're actually not. We're harming them. Yes, it was a sin to throw Lolita in a small tank without um, any of her kind. But that already happened. That happened 50 years ago. What can we do now? What, we can, what can we do now to ensure that she lives the rest of her life in happily? What can we do to ensure that she doesn't die like Keiko because we were too irresponsible to say that this may not work, that we shouldn't experiment with their lives? That's the problem, my friends. And that is what we must begin to stop doing. Because we continually do it. And that is what's going to kill these animals that are in captivity. I don't think they should be held. But why should we experiment with their lives? Because we have not learned from history. We have not learned from... Uh, from what has happened in the past. Like I said, Keiko. We should all say, okay, that wasn't a good idea. Let's see, let's come together, let's look at the science, let's see what we can do. But no, they want to do the same thing. Now, uh, Keiko, I wasn't sure how long he lived in the sanctuary that he was held at in Iceland, I believe. Uh, now that may, might be able to work. It might. But again, there is problems with who knows what bacteria that the captive orcas are bringing into the wild. And can spread to the wild orcas that have never seen it before. That's a problem. That can wipe out whole species. Whole populations. But they don't mention that. Because... They oversimplify the problem. And the thing that will kill these animals 
in captivity is the oversimplification of the problem and having an oversimplified solution. My friends, we must keep from doing that. We must look at the facts, look at the data, and look at that animal. I encourage y'all, and I've said this a few times, go to SeaWorld sometime. I don't care if you believe black fish and all that. I don't care if you think they're abusing their animals. Just go there. Go to the orca encounter. Or if you're lucky enough, pay 40 extra dollars, go to the orca tour. I didn't have that opportunity. I've heard it's fun. You get up and close to these animals. And what it will do, you will have an emotional connection drawn to them. And when you have that emotional connection, you will want to do everything possible to ensure that they live the happiest and longest life they can. And it will make you more careful with your decisions. It will make you more careful with the things that you advocate for. And when you have that emotional connection, we will become more responsible with what we do with animals like Lolita, with what we do with the animals at SeaWorld, and etc. It's not a simple um, problem, folks, and it's not a simple solution. Again, I encourage you guys to pray over this because we have sinned in the past and we caused this issue upon ourselves. Humanity's great mistake was um, exploiting God's creation. But we have the opportunity here to do what is right. To do what is good. And if we stop politicizing it, if we stop uh, being oversimplified with it, if we start coming to the table and saying, here is what the best solution is, we will begin to make changes. We will begin to do what is right. Not for SeaWorld, not for the Dolphin Project, not for uh, the people that made Blackfish, but for the animals themselves. It is not simple, but we can come together and figure out the right solution. Um, and that's another thing. I just want to make this quick point. I don't know how much money Blackfish brought, brought in. Uh, Blackfish, how much money does it make? I'm going to look it up really quickly. How much money did Blackfish make? Um, it is not telling me. It is oh, so the box office it got two point three million dollars, and I'm sure with the whole Netflix deal and all that, it got uh, it got a lot more. So with this money, and I'm not gonna put put blame on stuff. I'm sure they have expenses. But I just want to pose a question of, Blackfish made this much money. Why didn't they start building a sanctuary? They truly care about these issues. Why, instead of getting personal benefit, why didn't they go build a sanctuary? Say, hey, SeaWorld, we have the funds. We're going to get a fundraiser going. We're going to build a sanctuary. We can work together. We can make this happen. I'm sure there's other effects to it, but 
I don't know how much I have donated to it. I'm sure the trainers that were in that uh, interview have gotten a decent amount of cash. I'm sure of it. I haven't looked it up. I, I don't really care. Um, but I, I'm sure that they have gotten a decent paycheck from that documentary. Um, so why not use it for the sanctuary? If you truly care about these animals, if you truly care um, about the, the future of the animals uh, and um, the future of the dolphins, the orcas, and all that stuff. If you, if you truly care, why not donate? Why not build it yourself? You see, one won't do it. They won't do that because it is all for profit. It is all for. Um, it is all for personal gain. I'm looking up his net worth, and it's probably not true. He's saying he's worth millions, I don't know about all that, so I'm not even gonna use that to my advantage in the argument. Use the funds to build the sanctuary, work with SeaWorld, but they won't do it because it doesn't personally benefit them. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Common Sense Christianity. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share it. Um, go visit our website at cscpodcast.org. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, go follow us on Instagram at Common Sense Christianity. We are continually trying to grow the ministry, trying to give you guys the best content relating to Christ, relating to his creation, all sorts of stuff, guys. Stay in prayer, wear a mask, help slow the spread. Uh, don't worry about the things of this world as we go into the election. I know you guys have your political views out of mine, but remember, God is in control. God will do what is right. And if we believe that, uh, we will not worry about what happens in this world. And until Wednesday, I'm Ethan Foster. This is Common Sense Christianity. You just listened to an episode of Common Sense Christianity. I'm your host, Ethan Foster, as always. And we love doing this for you guys. Please share the podcast with your friends and family if you like it. And frankly, even if you don't, uh, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review so that more people can hear the word of God. And until next time, God bless you.